Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, and we are going to be discussing late-season strategy here, some moves to make, some players to monitor and acquire, and uh, and value if you have them. I want to remind you, it's the official show of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 250 premium podcasts annually. We got film notes. We got trade shows. We're coming up. It's going to be all about draft shows and startup drafts. Uh, the NFL draft. So you want to make sure you're on board by the end of the season. Might as well take advantage where you get the playoff run here as well as the full off season and most of next year as well with a general manager subscription. And Katie, this is the time. You know, we've got basically two games left in 90 something percent of how uh, formats are for dynasty leagues, which means the math is pretty easy. Even if you're not a math person, you can figure out what do I need over two games? Do I need to outscore teams? Do I need two wins, one win? Uh, where am I looking? And then we got the playoff push. And then guess what? We got tons of time to talk draft and prospects and resculpting our teams for 2022. But here we are and we're making a push. So we're going to talk about a lot of the things to potentially make a push. This is a common draft and excuse me, this is a common trade deadline week. Uh, and maybe your league is next week or sometime in the future, but uh, making moves and having the optionality to do so is is critical for those final final finishing touches on your teams. Yeah, and it it is this time of year where you have got to be brutally honest with yourself about the state of your team. Look at your league. Look at your record. If you're the kind of team that has been leaking players. To IR, you know, first it was Derrick Henry a few weeks ago, and then it was maybe Alvin Kamara, and then you lost a couple wide receivers, and you're not going to be getting them back, then then it may not be in your best interest to try to make the push because it's going to take more than just a band-aid to get you there. You always want to take the cheapest route that's going to solidify a position or or whatever, you don't want to have to be putting all your fingers in the in the dike in the dam and trying to fix 10 different leaks at the same time because you're probably going to overpay and that'll shoot your dynasty team in the foot for a long time to come. So be honest with yourself when you take a look at your team. If you are destined, by now you should know if you are destined to make the playoffs. And again, the strategy is different. If you are going to get one of the first round buys, the strategy is completely different than if you're just going to eke your way into the playoff. And again, if you're going to just eke your way into the playoff, are you doing so with a team that's scoring a lot of points per game? And if so, then it just may have been some early season luck and that's why your record is is close to even or whatever that it is. And, and maybe it'll just take one or two pieces to get you to that contention status. But again, if you're sixth 
place or fifth place and your team has lost a couple of players and uh, the team in first place or second place is still loaded and they haven't lost a player and they're rolling, then again, it may not make sense for you to make a bunch of different trades to keep up with the Joneses. Just roll up your sleeves, keep trying the waiver wire, maybe a Band-Aid or two to shore up something, but don't sell the farm trying to make that big push. Roll the dice with what you've got because, as you know, there's variance every week. Guys, Guys like Cedric Wilson come out of the woodwork for that one start. Because you knew that CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper were, were out. You knew that Michael Gallup was back and they had Dalton Schultz. Sure, and they've always got Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. But anybody that took a chance on Cedric Wilson a week ago was quite happy. So those are the kinds of things. Again, look at your team and assess very specifically where you are in that playoff picture. And that will help you address what types of trades, if any, that you need to make right now. Yeah, and we just did that in a little mini session before the show. It's kind of our chance during the week to talk, or at least officially so. We know we'll be on the on the call, and we did that quickly. Where it looks like we're probably not going to get a buy. It's not that we're not going to keep trying, but we probably aren't. Which means we're in that bucket of making the playoffs, but not a buy. And then assessing your players and assessing where you are, like you said. Are your players coming back? Do you have players returning where maybe you have had a tough stretch, but when are they projected to be back? This week? By the playoffs? Never. Uh, and that can also sculpt your decision. And the line, as we always say it, make a dynasty trade. And then again, if it helps you this year, that can be a part of a dynasty trade. Absolutely. But if you seem far away, I think both of us always kind of preach caution of doing the, I'm pushing my chips in. This is it. And especially if you're far away in terms of stacking up the playoff teams, then you might just be throwing bad money at you know through a bad process at a bad result this year because nothing's worse. And again, you can be a good team and still still get that first round exit, and it feels horrible. You say you made the playoffs. Now you've got a mid first draft position. You made the playoffs. You got a chance. You got a chip in a chair, and then you're out. One game that you just stack up and you go, eh, I'm a sixty forty underdog, and you take your shot. You lose, and now you're gone. You're done, and. And that's the the cruel world. And that's why, you know, if you got a few teams, hopefully, you know, you still got some other teams in it beyond that first weekend of the playoffs. Um, so let's talk about uh again, different levels here. You mentioned band-aids already. We've got a few different uh tiers we're gonna discuss in this show. So talk about what band-aids are and, and maybe an example player or two of what that really means uh for this year. Right. So I categorize, I'm just going to say the three buckets before we start talking about Band-Aids, just so that listeners can get an idea. Uh, Band-Aid players to me are guys that may not have value after this year is over, but they're hot as heck right now. They're very valuable right now. But because of the uncertainty, the question marks about their future, for whatever that reason may be, they're short-term players, and if you get something out of them next year, then that's a bonus on top of it, but they're more of a Band-Aid to try to fix a position or uh, something that you need right now. And a bridge, super bridge player, a bridge player is, you've, you guys have heard me say this before, but a bridge player is somebody that's on the aging side. They're not quite 
out of it yet. They may have three or four, five good years left, but you don't know for sure. And you're not going to pay full price for them necessarily because they're getting long in the tooth and a lot of people are starting to overlook them. A super bridge is even older, but still also able to put up fantasy points. And again, you're you're trying to buy the discount. The key to trading for any of these types of players is to shop all the different teams that are in the bottom that are not going to make the playoffs don't have one specific player in mind, but have a profile or a position and have a range of outcomes that, that you're looking for. And that way you're going to get the best deal. So a super bridge is going to be slightly less expensive, but also look, not as long-term as a bridge, not as short-term as a Band-Aid. And then a dynasty move. Um, whenever you make a trade for a big-name player, then you want to – that's a dynasty move. You're going to be having that player for the rest of their career or until the next trade that you make or, or whatever. And so you want to you want to address your the holes – going into the playoffs with the cheapest thing possible because there's no guarantee that even if you do make a dynasty trade or a dynasty move, there's no guarantee that player's not going to just turn around and get injured. And then they're not good for the playoffs, but because it was a dynasty trade, a dynasty move, you know that you are good with that outcome because you've got them on your roster for a long time to come. So a couple of my band-aids, and I would look at all the bottom four, five, maybe even six teams. There may be a, a very line of delineation of, of who's going to make the playoffs for sure. Your trade deadline's coming up. I'd at least offer those guys that are on the bubble of making the playoffs too. But Deontre Foreman, if you need a running back, or Devonta Freeman, they should be cheap, cheap, Band-Aid type guys that can put up some decent points if you lost a running back or you are you got a running back that's banged up like DeAndre Swift and you just want to have another somebody there to put in your lineup if you need to. Uh, those, are, those are two guys that I think would probably, I bet you could get them for a third. I don't know if you've seen any trades involving them, but I bet you could get them for a third. They were probably picked up off the waiver wire for just a small amount of money not too awful long ago. Yeah, that was my first thought when you started talking. I was like, I think a third would would lock it up. Yeah, some of the recent deals are right around, at least for Freeman. And I would imagine Foreman could be a third, but maybe even a fourth and a younger player. You know, just a younger player, period. Because people think Foreman doesn't have any legs beyond this year, which I don't think is necessarily true. Uh, he's a talented guy. He's now removed, far removed from his Achilles injury. And you're starting to see a little bit of sign, you know, so to, to say that he's only this year, I think we have to give him a little more latitude for potentially earning a spot next year, you know, somewhere. And, and we've seen guys, uh, Mike Davis would be one example um, that basically got all the way close to out of the league before scratching his way back. Um, so, so yeah, either of those guys and, and Freeman is underrated Foreman as well. Freeman's a number one back, you know, and I don't think anyone would question that for the rest of the season, barring uh, barring an injury. And then Foreman is going to be in that one-two rotation. But let's face it, you can't have a lot of confidence in Dontrell Hilliard. He's never really carried a workload in the NFL. He doesn't really have the profile to do as such. 
And I just think, you know, especially if you look at some of the the utilization stats from last week, Hilliard got by on some of these bigger plays, but Foreman was actually looking like the starter. So yeah, I think those are two really good ones. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit uh, higher on the Band-Aid scale if we do have a Band-Aid scale. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to say especially for let's say a super flex uh, super flex uh, zone here, I'm going to say Jimmy Garoppolo. And the reason he's a Band-Aid is because the it's on the wall that I mean Trey Lance is going to be the starter next year. Now, I do think Garoppolo is going to be the starter for this year. Uh, at least until they're out of it. And I don't think they're going to be out of it. I think they're a good enough team. They're going to be in it till the end. Is that the last week or two of the NFL season? Uh, is that they're they're making the playoffs as the seventh seed? Something like that. But Garoppolo could easily be an NFL backup next year. Easily. Uh, he could be a starter. But a lot of people don't value him much. I saw in Superflex, the general zone is the second. The general zone for Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you're going to be a playoff team... I'm fine paying that t- sort of price point for a guy that's done what he has in the NFL. And he has one of the top five remaining schedules for quarterbacks. And in the playoffs, he gets Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston. So by no means, that, 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 by no means is there a shutdown unit in there. And I would argue Atlanta and Houston are good matchups. And Atlanta, as the best one, is on the front side. So if you're a playoff run team and you're like, you know, I got exactly two NFL starters right now. I don't have many backups, you know, like a Case Keenum or, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph or some of these situations that you could easily see the starter missing time. So I always say go down that rabbit hole first. But if you do want to acquire uh, someone that I think is a really good bang for your buck, Garoppolo is one. Uh, Did you have any other Band-Aids or do you just want me to mention my other one? Um, I do have some more, but go ahead. And since I did two, you go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll say another one here is Marvin Jones. Super cheap. Uh, I would imagine I can look it up here in a second, but um, I would imagine he is third round rookie pick, maybe even fourth round rookie pick. Um, And the intrigue with him is you got DJ Chark out and typically you do see rookie quarterbacks play a little better as the season progresses. So you get the reps going. Uh, LaVisca Chenault has been a disappointment. So it's Marvin Jones, who's an established older player and the schedule, all good matchups the next month. The only one on the schedule for adjusted strength of schedule for wide receivers that you would say is an avoid one, it's the Patriots and it's in the title week. So how about we worry about the title week if you get there? So if you need to supplement, Marvin Jones is probably looking in that fourth round, maybe a third and you get Marvin Jones and maybe an injury away, low-level injury away running back or something. You can maybe get something added on if you're sending a contending third uh, for Marvin Jones. But the fourth plus is also a viable zone there. Yeah, good call. Uh, Another one that I like for Superflex, and the reason I think that they're a Band-Aid, they could go back into the ether after the season is over, but they also could have some future potential. We don't know. But Taylor Haneke, I bet you he's fairly cheap and he was probably a waiver wire pickup. So the person didn't invest much. And if they're down at the bottom, man, you try it, offer a third, offer a second. Um, I don't know. A second might, you might want to get a pick back uh, or some, or a player back or something like that, but try just test the waters and see. Yeah. Second to third is probably that zone. So a third, maybe you add a younger player, a second, maybe you get Heineke and something else in return. But yeah, I mean, he's playing his way into a legit, don't forget about me. I mean, dare I say, he could be a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of just, 
He lingers for a while now, and he gets plenty of NFL starts beyond this year, whether that's via injury or all of a sudden he's a bridge player to a rookie or any of those types of scenarios we commonly see. Right. Another one that I've got, um, and I and again, it, if this person, if the person that owns James Robinson is out of it, the question marks with Travis Etienne coming back next year and with the coaching staff and are they going to keep urban legend um, uh, or are they going to move on? Probably not, not this soon, but there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. And I bet you could get him for a second and maybe even uh, a player that's just uh, maybe like a Nico Collins and a third, somebody that's up and coming that has looked fairly good we don't know what they are. Uh, you might be able to do some kind of deal like that too. Yeah, it, it's worthwhile of saying at the absolute worst, Robinson has a look of a player who's going to be one of the better injury away guys. Let's say, and this is a worst case scenario. Let's say ETN comes in clear starter next year. Well, Robinson is still a younger player with a profile and can be an injury away player for a long duration. So, and then the price would fall, but his utility could still be very high, as we've seen with a number of injury away guys this year getting meaningful starts, and, and you never know when they're going to come. All right. What yeah, do you think? I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I've got one more Band Aid player, yeah. and it's only because of the lack of respect on his name. I, I do think that he will have some longevity because of the contract, but Kendrick Bourne, he's only 26, but. No, no real name cachet. He, no real, you know, he was a fifth round draft pick, but he's starting to really peek out and look real nice. So even if you, even if he's a bandaid and just gets you through the playoffs this year and then goes back into the nothingness or whatever, uh, as long as you don't spend an arm and a leg for him. And he, if that owner is willing to sell him for bandaid prices, a third, a second somewhere, or, you know, maybe you get a pick back just again, the whole point is you've got a shopping list and you're going to go try to find the least expensive option of this type of player. And I'm sure there's many other Band-Aid players that you and I haven't mentioned, but these are just give you some, some ideas that you're, you're not just stuck with one option. Yeah, that's important. Like you said, you're looking at the teams down the dial in the standings, and then you're also looking for a type. I just thought of Cole Beasley when you were you were talking as as another type of of player like this that you're looking generally, you know, maybe the second round range, but really it's third and fourth round range, and you're looking to just take an older player that they just don't want to look at during the off season off their hands, and those points, frankly, aren't helping them, and and they might even hurt them uh, down the stretch for draft position. All right. What do you think about uh, the bridge and now moving up a little bit in terms of price point, making closer to dynasty deals than ones that look a little more short range in their scope? Right. So bridge and super bridge. And again, a super bridge is somebody that's on the older side. They've proven they can do it in the past, but nobody has a crystal ball to be able to say, does this person have one more season after this, two more seasons after this. Um, and so the prices may vary. So these are not anywhere near all worth the same price. But if you're in Superflex and the team with Tom Brady is out of it, I would go after Tom Brady as a super bridge. AJ Green is should be one of the cheapest super bridges out there. Leonard Fournette, another one. If that owner is out of it, 
he's not going to be the same price as a Nick Chubb or uh, even a Josh Jacobs or an Ezekiel Elliott or somebody like that. He should be a decent, affordable price. And again, if not, just continue to move on and, and shop for something else. Another one I like is, and he's being highly undervalued and, and overlooked, is J.D. McKissick. And uh, with Antonio Gibson still banged up, they like both those guys. They're giving them both. They both had fantasy relevant weeks this past week. So they can get that running game going. Um, I might as well just throw out the last couple and then I'll let you go. Uh, Melvin Gordon is another good. I think he's more of a super bridge. And again, at, because of the question with Javante Williams ascending, people are going to discount Melvin Gordon, especially if they're a rebuilding team. Here's this guy that's on the older side, running backs have a shelf life, but he's producing still. So he may kind of be on the cusp of a band-aid, but I think he's more of a super bridge. I, I do think that he has more longevity than just a band-aid. Yeah, I think Gordon is a threat to crash a depth chart and be a veteran option and probably with a number two back, not as good as Javante Williams somewhere else next year. So that would mean you maybe get it's, it's printing money because Melvin Gordon, you can start him now. Uh, he's still very much in that 50, 50, 50, or even having the edge over Williams down the stretch here of the season. And next year, again, it, it's free money. If, if he ends up as the one a and start more games for you next year, because Melvin Gordon could be in that round three bucket of cost equivalency there. And if it's a second, maybe you're even getting something else thrown in. And and that's the perfect price point to get an older veteran with a profile. And I think that's the important part is get these guys on the you know back nine or even back two or three holes of their of their golfing, you know, NFL lifeline career here. And but getting the guys that you know have been there, done that, because Gordon still looks pretty good. You know, for his age and for his workload uh, level, he still looks and that's the real key. You've got to have a discerning eye on are they eroding quickly? And if the answer is no, you know, Tom Brady, same thing, you know, not showing signs of wear like a Rivers did at the very end or Ben Roethlisberger this year. That's where you have to be pretty concerned about the price you pay and thinking beyond the current year. But if you don't see that erosion, I think you need to have a little more, uh, a little more uh, fluidity on the projection of how long they will play. Um, I wrote down one name that was different than yours. Uh, so just to add on the bridge and super bridge bridge category, and this is definitely uh, one that uh, you can get maybe multiple discounts at play if they're on a on a lesser team is DeAndre Hopkins. So look at the profile of DeAndre Hopkins. He has been at his at, at points in his career considered one of the best in the NFL and one of the best in Dynasty. And I could still see him. He's reformatting his game. We're seeing, at least in the iteration with Arizona, you know, being a little more short to intermediate game. But, I mean, his hands, he's, a, he's already like... I mean, if he, he could end up having three or four years a la Larry Fitzgerald of just, you know, being so undervalued because everyone wants to write him off already because they're not seeing the 60-yard touchdowns anymore. So, for Hopkins... Good closing schedule. You got Kyler Murray on the way back, uh, and both are expected to be back this week. And if not, very soon for, for the playoff-bound Cardinals, who want to obviously get their reps in and, and be good to go by the season. They'd like to get the number one seed. There's a lot of things in front for them. And Hopkins may even have a slight, slight injury discount uh, because you're acquiring him now. And he would be the exact type where 
I would imagine a naked first is probably all you're going to have to give. And frankly, if it's a younger wide receiver with a little bit of promise and a second, that may get someone if, if Hopkins is miring on, on one of the bottom teams. Yeah, and two for tight end premium. Uh, super bridge would be Zach Ertz and Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas just got back off IR, and uh, Zach Ertz has been playing very well in Arizona. So, And he'll be a starter. He's a free agent. He'll get more opportunities for sure. Exactly. And we know that Kyler Murray isn't going anywhere, so you've got that quarterback connection. Um, Mike Evans is another possible super bridge. He's at that age now where we've got to consider him instead of a dynasty move or a dynasty type trade. He's more of that super bridge. We believe that he's got three or four more good years, maybe even more. Who knows? Nobody knows anything for sure. Uh, But as long as he's connected with Tom Brady in Tampa, that's a very good matchup. And he might be affordable. Again, you're dealing with people that are not making the playoffs that are quote unquote rebuilding or building or whatever that they want to call it. Maybe it's, and especially if it's a new owner that took over the team earlier in the year, I would be sending them all kinds of trade offers, give them the a la carte, the different options until they find something they like. Yeah. And Evans is locked in with Tampa next year. And you can't say that for guys like Gronk, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin. There's, there's potential for a lot of change, but one thing unlikely to change is that Brady Evans connection. Um, I had and Logan Thomas just I had him on the bandaid list, but just one one piece of uh, one piece of uh, data there on him is he gets Philadelphia twice in the fantasy playoffs in fifteen and seventeen, and that's the best tight end matchup on the board uh, as of now. You know, through twelve weeks, so uh, the fact that Logan Thomas can be someone that helps you not just now uh, and not just in the playoffs itself but could also help you into the future. But that schedule looks mighty juicy, at least to kick off and end the fantasy playoffs. What do you think about uh, just overall dynasty type players? Okay. So I just want to start with an example from last year. I was getting ready to go into the playoffs. I had a very strong team and uh, Sequan Barkley was hurt. So I traded Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham for Mike Davis, Christian McCaffrey, and T.Y. Hilton. And as it turns out, Christian McCaffrey also got hurt and did not help me in my playoff run. He had been banged up. I knew there was a possibility that he was not going to. That's why I insisted that Mike Davis was part of the deal because back then he was playing for Carolina. So I wanted to at least have the running back that was behind Christian McCaffrey to help me with my playoff run. T.Y. Hilton wasn't a very big piece, but it was somebody that could possibly as a super bridge resurrect um, and give me some kind. And Odell Beckham had been up and down. So when you make a dynasty trade, what I would recommend is first try your injured guys, especially if they're a younger injured guy, like, Saquon Barkley still garnered very good return on the investment because he was still young. Guys like A.J. Brown, who is hurt and young. Juju Smith-Schuster, hurt and young. Travis Etienne, hurt and young. I would try, if I've got one of them, I would try to include them as part of the dynasty type trade because it's not going to hurt you this year. And it may not hurt you next year. Well, and it may not hurt you next year, but 
they're studs and you're trading a big portion of the trade for a stud with a stud. So you shouldn't have to add that much to make it work as compared to keeping the stud that's hurt on your IR and using pieces that you have now to make the trade can hurt you. You may end up trading somebody that goes nuts in the playoffs and then you're, you're even more mad. But if you trade as the key piece, an injured player that is a stud that's, that's young enough to where their price value hasn't declined that much, that in, in my eyes is the first thing you should look at before you start trying you know, well, I'll give you these three young players plus on top of that, these three picks for the future. You don't want to mortgage the entire future. You do want to shore up and solidify. And it creates a a win-win because again, that's the exact type of player they should be looking to acquire when they're resetting and looking ahead to next year. Exactly. Because it helps their draft pick if they get a player that isn't going to score them anything and they're getting rid of a player that would score them something uh, or player package that would score them something. So it helps it helps them and it helps you. Uh, guys like Derrick Henry, though, they're a little trickier. I would try to work them into that deal. Again, if it's somebody that's just missing the playoffs, Derrick Henry may be more attractive. Uh, same thing with a guy like Robert Woods. We just made a deal recently where we traded Robert Woods away for a couple of pieces that will help us. It's a best ball, so we don't have to worry about uh, plugging and playing a certain person. I, I will say this though. I am, if if I own JK Dobbins or Cam Akers, I'm not going to include them in that type of trade because I don't, I think that Cam Akers with the Achilles heel has lost more value. There's more question marks on him. And especially with the way that Daryl Henderson has been playing, there's more question marks. I don't think you're going to get as much bang for your buck with him. And I'd rather keep him. His rehab looks like it's going well. He may even be ready this year, Chad, which is nuts. But if he is, then again, uh, I'd rather keep him and his talent. Same thing with J.K. Dobbins. I don't know that that his value uh, has dropped as much, but I also don't think that his injury is anything to worry about for the future, if that makes any sense. Yeah, a lot of Acres' deals have been on low variety, you know, and they, they really aren't getting enough bang for the buck. And the fact that there are reports that his recovery is going well, whether or not he comes back this year or whatever, but just the fact that we do know he has a higher end outcome and how's that going to work with Henderson? There are some variables there, but we've, we've seen him, we've seen Dobbins. We haven't seen Etienne, you know, as another, uh, as another variable of just incoming rookie versus we have some data points on, on some of those other younger running backs. Right. Which is why I would include Etienne because he still has that name cachet. He still has uh, the, the, question uh, the dreams of grandeur with him and, and his value is still quite high. So the first, uh, the first di- making a dynasty trade, but I also think it could help you down the stretch here. The first one that came to mind and man, talk about fresh in the mind because just played on Monday night football this week is Russell Wilson. He's in a funk. I understand all that. He's not right with the finger. He's had some errant throws, but we're seeing signs. He's making progress and he has a quality schedule down the stretch. They're all above average matchups. And right now, you know, he's more of a target, but in the future, 
I mean, this last month plus into the future, he's right at that age range where we saw Kirk Cousins start going for discounts, Matt Ryan going for discounts, that, you know, 33 to 35 or 36. This window with Russell Wilson is officially open. Is he going to change teams? There's so much cloud around him in addition to not looking like typical Russell Wilson right now that this feels like the confluence of factors that if you're going to get a deal and be on the early side of this, that this is the the window. You may I still think in the off season when you get to January, you're gonna get maybe in startup drafts might be the best deal just because people are gonna go towards all the young quarterbacks. But I still think this is a golden opportunity, um, especially in Superflex, to get your hands on Russell Wilson for a fraction of what it would have been a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, any any injured stud that looks like they're going to come out of it. You had mentioned before we came on, what about Alvin Kamara? And I'm hesitant to trade for an Alvin Kamara just because he has been banged up and he is getting older and the running back, you know, if, if for example, like with Christian McCaffrey last year, I knew there was a good possibility that he too would not help me in the playoff run. But I knew that Saquon Barkley was not going to help me. And as it turns out, they're both injury-prone running backs, but they're both still young and they're both still considered studs. So I'm happy. I'm fine with the way that the results of, of the way that that worked out. But if I were to trade for Kamara and he doesn't help me with the playoff run this year, next year he's a year older, he's right on that cusp. At that, you're committing to ride him until he's gone. Well, and that's if why trading, and that's why not getting a deal on the older running back. And that's why we say you draft some, you, you use the waiver wire, you do all these other methods because there's insulation or there's at least minimal cost in those two methods. Whereas if you go, I, I've said before, my, my worst and my most it, looking back suspect trades over many years ago uh, would be I was late in the season and I try to buy running back production. And that thing sours a lot of times like milk. If you, uh, make the wrong deal. You don't win the title. In worst case, they get hurt and they're not even playing for you at that point. Because let's face it, you're probably buying a healthy guy. And if they've been healthy for most of the season, that means they've had a number of carries that they haven't, they've skirted an injury. And then, so what are the odds that they miss games at the end of the year? So there's a lot of variables and risks. That's why we generally don't like to go the in season by the running back. Like at this point in the season, running back shouldn't be your issue with how much attention is paid to it for just UTH at large for two, three months leading to this moment. Yeah. And one of your famous phrases that I always keep in mind and I really love it is what is your next most important game and how can I help my team win that game? What is my next most important game? So your next most important game may be, securing that buy or maybe I've got a buy. So it's week 15, whatever your most next most important game is. Look at that when you're trying to make your trade also, because that makes a difference too. If you got a guy that has a really easy week 13, week 14, but you don't even need them for week 13 and 14. And then they got a killer week 15, 16 and 17 maybe that may not be the right asset to be going after. 
I do that all the time this time of year with defenses. You know, I'm uh, like, if, if it really doesn't matter, then like, and it's like, eh, it's kind of a neutral matchup. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't target them now, you know, if I was just playing for this week, but you go, you know, like, but if I, if something juicy is out there for the, the next most meaningful game, I'll get them a couple weeks early just so that I have them, you know, or I'll have like, this is actually the time of the year where you may not have good running back pickups. And, and if you don't, you start stacking up what you want, you know, like I, like there's a couple situations I get the both defenses and it's like, well, this one has a really good schedule for the next two, three weeks. And then first week of the playoffs, boom, I have this other defense I really like. So you start stacking up and creating those puzzle pieces. Um, that that's really, this is the time of year where you actually, for the first time do that. Um, I'll mention one other, uh, dynasty target here because he gets a bad rap and I'm not really, and, and I, I have this feeling that Khalil Herbert, you know, obviously looking good in the, the couple of clarified starts that he had, but David Montgomery, he's back to workhorse. And I know there's lots of variables with quarterback and just the level of the offense there. A lot of questions with Chicago, but he's locked in, uh, you know, for next year, this is beyond this year. He gets Seattle and the giants, which are good matchups in the fantasy playoffs. We're projecting beyond to 2022 plus he's a three down profile. So he's, he's just, again, I don't like to mention a lot of running back buys per se, but he's going sometimes for a, a, a late first or even a second and something else. And, and I think for Montgomery, still on the young side, still making a dynasty trade. And again, just the caveat, generally don't buy running backs like this, but he fits the profile of something I would be looking for. Yep. Good call. Uh one other thing that I'd like to talk about before we go is what not to do if you're out of it and you're quote unquote rebuilding. And I've, I've had people ask me, you know, over the last couple of days, would you trade X, Y, Z player for this, this, and this? It's like, no, man, you're going to keep rebuilding. If you keep doing, well, I was going to say, can, can, I actually hear nails on a chalkboard when people yeah. say rebuilding. Now I really prefer the term non-contending yes. because cause that says what the state of your team this year and a results-based fashion is. I feel if you, if you say rebuilding, like it makes it sound like you might be rebuilding next year too. You're like tearing down the house to put the house back up. And it's like, how about re retooling is fine, re-sculpting, but rebuilding makes it sound like I have systemic problems on this roster. And I, I just think it's like it's so easy to talk yourself into I, I need to do a deep, thorough scrubbing like the carpet. You know, you know, I got a I got a puppy, you know, and, and all of a sudden this carpet's gotta go. I, I really hate that methodology. No, I, I agree with you. I hate the term, but I hear people use the term all the time and they'll even drop it in chat. I'm rebuilding, I got a fire sale going on here. And you know, it's like they're opening up everything. Come on in and raid me. And you know, if you do that the chances that you're going to be a rebuilder every year, year over year over year. So this one guy was asking in a group chat, would you trade T Higgins for the 201 and the 206? That's the 1.13. He even made sure to point it out. That's just like a first round pick. The 2.01 is just outside of a first round pick. While that may be the case, no, I absolutely wouldn't. And this was before this week where T Higgins just went off. But I, I asked him, I was like, what is your, like, the whole point of trying to get stronger 
is trying to get better pieces. And his apprehension with T. Higgins because of Jamar Chase was that he's always going to be the 1B, that he's going to be a 10 to 12 point per week type of guy. I said, well, you need guys like that on your roster. Let's say he's a 10 to 12 point. That's not bad in fantasy football, depending on how many wide receivers that you need to start. He may be your third wide receiver, three wide receiver, four. And if that's the case, that's great. And if and if he's your wide receiver one because you're that bad, then you have to build off of him and wait until you can at least get a much better package than two random picks from a down class from, you know, just it. You're just going to continue to spin your wheels. And then look what T. Higgins did this week. As an example, he has some, uh, he has a good ceiling. And if Jamar Chase were to miss any time next year, the year after, whatever, he's proven that he can put up numbers. Well, we've seen, we've also seen offenses where they run through two wide receivers. There's two guys that are in the top 12. It happens more regularly than people would like to admit. So um, yeah, I have two macro uh, tips here for what not to do for, for these non-contending situations. First of all, don't extend your, your, your non-contending window. You know, don't think of this as a, a 2023 arrival date because it can just be a, a bad cycle that, 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 yeah, it can be fun, but you know what? You, you just keep dumping entry fees and keep not having an arrival date and not constructing your team to say, okay, now I'm contending. I mean, some of these teams need to get hit over the face with hitting on young players actually producing early in their career arc. And then they still might get sucked into trading them for picks or Debbie or whatever it is in their format. So really always think, okay, right now, my goal is 2022. If this year is over and there's no toilet bowl you know, to, to win a pick or, or anything, the competitive portion of my, my season is over. Your goal is your next most important game. And you know what that is? Week one next year. It's not 2023. It's not 2025. It's not when the league is folded in 2037. It's next year, week one, because you know everybody has a chance. Even if you don't think so right now, what you do in the offseason can sculpt and change your chances. The other thing is, I see way too many non-contenders think in terms of only picks. I've had so many conversations with teams that are out of it, and they say, no, I only want picks. Really? You yeah. only want picks? I understand that they are insulated from now until the draft, but to pretend like that's going to help you contend next year, it's not. So Katie, you know, Katie already mentioned, trading injured players is an actual tangible way for the other team not contending to contend next year because that injured player will ideally not be injured. So, But the picks, you draft a rookie, I mean, it is not a guarantee they start any games for you next year. So you got picks from a player. Let's just say in a vacuum, you traded Adam Thielen for a second and a third. Let's just example deal. So you have a second and third. Congratulations. So now let's say you spend those picks on players. You got some rookies. They could start zero games for you next year. They haven't helped you a lick. Adam Thielen's still producing next year. And now are they going to help you in 2023? Have they actually maintained their value? Do they have uh, warts on them because they're slow starting rookies, depending on what position you pick and whatever? So they're getting picks only can also make it so you're in this this loop of I'm not contending and I'm not contending next year. When well when are you contending? 
That's that's what I would ask you. When is your plan to start contending? Because sometimes you do picks only and you get all grubby and sticky fingered with the picks and you don't turn the picks into something meaningful uh, in the off season when they peak or trading up to get a much better prospect or whatever. And you end up just having a big pile of guys that aren't even startable is is the the dangerous slippery slope you can fall into when you start limiting other teams on what they can offer you picks only and i i've seen that more than a few times this year and again i'm not anti pick by any means but just keep in mind it's only one asset that you can acquire there's many of many types of assets absolutely this is a fun time of year um i i just wish everybody uh, much success in finagling your trade deadlines, your waiver wire, uh, whether you're contending, non-contending, whatever the case may be, go get them. This is it. It's go time. Absolutely. Uh, quick shout out for the UTH best ball contest. And we have Grant taking down the contest. He's in first place overall. It's a very tight race. And he really needed this one uh, to maintain his position up atop the overall standings. He scored 281, a very sturdy score here in week 12. He's got Mac Jones coming on at the right time. He got a value out of Carson Wentz. Leonard Fournette, absolutely a monster this past week. I kind of said he did his uh, a Jonathan Taylor impression uh, with four touchdowns, a ton of total yards uh, in that massive uh, Tampa Bay win. He's got Kendrick Bourne. Katie already mentioned him earlier in the podcast. He's got a healthy Jarvis Landry with no Odell Beckham there. Some injuries in Cleveland. So let's see if Landry can get on a bit of a hot streak to close the season. Jalen Waddle. He had Rob Gronkowski back from injury. That's going to be a nice shot in the arm for Grant as well. Didn't even need Tom Brady, Goff, Ben Roethlisberger. He's got a bunch of quarterbacks. So he's not going to have trouble starting two any given week uh, for the close of the season. So congrats, Grant, and congrats for your number one finish uh, this week, as well as so far overall in the contest. You can contact Katie between episodes at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder about UTHDynasty.com and got some uh, extra exclusive content over at patreon.com slash UTH. So for Katie, myself, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those fantasies. Oh, 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 oh,